0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up everyone and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. On today's podcast, I will be joined by AtlantaFalcons.com beat reporter Tori McElhaney. She's a friend of the pod. She's been on a few times so far, and we are going to just dive deep into the last couple of days of Falcons minicamp. A lot of insights. It's, you know, kind of, it means some things. It doesn't mean other things, but it's really the first time that all of the team is supposed to be back together. There were some absences, but by and large, everybody is supposedly at the facility, those absences just have to do more with players either recovering physically from surgery or in the case of Cordero Patterson. It just seems like the team is willing to, you know, give him a little bit more time off, kind of keep him on the shelf, do some other ways of preparing him that don't involve kind of roughing up his body needlessly at this point in the season. And I say needlessly because there really isn't a ton to be gleaned from this time of year. It is a very, very early part of the process. They're just trying to get everybody on the same page. They're trying to set the tone for the season. Um, And you're going to hear Tori and I kind of talk a little bit about that. But there are some nuggets that you can learn. Uh, So she will have a lot of the insights from the coaching staff, from the players. But I just want to touch really quickly on kind of the two positions that I am most acutely watching over the next Several months. I mean, obviously that we're going to have a down period here, but the Falcons have said that they're going to make some roster moves if they feel that those roster moves can be made, you know, smartly and will benefit their team and their roster. The two positions edge rusher and I mean specifically kind of the outside linebackers in this 3-4 look. I think that Arnold Ebicady certainly was drafted with the role in mind of him becoming a starter one day. Whether that is at the beginning of this season is, I think, a question mark. It looks like, as of right now, and, and Tori and I get into this a little bit later, but Lorenzo Carter and Ade Ogundeji were kind of getting what would amount to the reps with the ones in minicamp. Again, that means less than nothing at this point, but it's so difficult, I think, to hit on truly impactful pass rushers. There are some ways that you can manufacture a pass rush, right? You can be very blitz heavy, Dick LeBeau style, just we're going to light them up and come from kind of everywhere. Dean Pease was alluding to that last year when kind of saying, you know, quarterbacks aren't going to know where we're coming from. We're blitzing from the heavens, all of that stuff. You do that when you don't necessarily have the talent to win one-on-one and finding elite pass rush talent to do that is really, really hard. So... Nowhere else in this roster, I think, could the Falcons put themselves ahead of schedule maybe outside of quarterback, obviously. But if they are able to find something with these outside linebackers that that works moving forward, that will put them so far ahead, I think, of what their potential timeline could be because then otherwise you're looking at that taking a big part of your salary cap in free agency or you're using more high draft capital on one position, hoping that you get it figured out. So it's so important for them to figure that out. The other part on offense, and this is not a surprise to anybody, the interior of the offensive line. Drew Dahlman, Matt Hennessy seem to be rotating throughout minicamp. Again, that doesn't mean a whole lot at this time of the year, but it does mean that they do want to keep both guys involved. They want to keep both guys getting some similar looks, opportunities so that they can evaluate and have something going into training camp to know as a baseline where these guys are. Jalen Mayfield as well. It seems I feel like he's going to really get a real run at a at a kind of redo season because I do think the coaching staff understands that he was put in a very, very tough spot, but they wouldn't have kept putting him out there if they didn't believe that there was something there for him. So Jalen Mayfield, Drew Dallman, Matt Hennessy, those guys are gonna be really under the microscope, I think, once the pads come on in training camp. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. So that was a little bit of a preview of a much better uh, in-depth conversation that I am about to have with Tori McElhaney. So we will get to that right after this. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's NBA Finals, NHL Finals, Major League Baseball. The US Open is going on. You can find odds for that. Including the latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures. So, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, guys, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code, BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. We've got Tori McElaney, the beat reporter for atlantafalcons.com, the co-host of Falcon's Final Whistle, and a sad BTS fan. Tori, <laughs> you survived minicamp. How you doing?
1: Oh, I am so glad that that third point made it in because, honestly, <laughs> I was here. I, I don't know if people follow me on Twitter, but if you did, you saw the immediate reaction almost to, to the BTS going on a hiatus news. Granted, now we know it's just like they're just doing more solo stuff. So now I have seven schedules to keep up with instead of one for the group. But I was distraught on the first day of (laughs) minicamp. I I wrote so many notes uh, uh, and we learned so much for minicamp, but I was barely there because I was just very upset about BTS going on a hiatus. So thank you for the support during this very, very tough time for me. I appreciate it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no problem. I mean, as you probably don't know this, but in my time since covering the Falcons, I've now become I've moved to to South Korea, I have become a full time BTS beat reporter, although they only call them BT reporters. So um, yeah. it you know, it, I'm just letting you know, it, it's not forever. It's not permanent. Hang in there, Tori.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, Anyone and everyone who would like to send me a Venmo request for coffee. um, That's that's the payment of which I need during this this very sad time. <laughs>
0: The hottest coffee for the hottest time of the year. Uh, You're gonna regret that. But (laughs) we are here to uh, to talk about um, a really, you know, just brutal mini camp weather wise. Oh my god! Like I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. A just how how you're handling that? How everybody was handling that? I I know that people got called out for standing in the shade. Oh yeah. We're we're not a heat abuse supportive um, podcast here. Personally, everybody stay inside, stay hydrated. But. Short mini camp. You know, it's a short mini camp when there's you know less days of practice than there are syllables in the actual word. But <laughs> where do you want to start, Tori? What was kind of your big takeaway from the last uh, two days?
1: Oh man! Other than it was roasting on Thursday <laughs> or on w- Wednesday. Yeah, today's yeah. Thursday. Wednesday, it was roasting. I don't know. Like you've been out there for mini camp and training camp before, and it's always hot. You know, like mm-hmm. we're in Flowery Branch, Georgia in the middle of the summer it is hot but for some reason wednesday was brutal i don't it was like the heat index was up to like 110 111 like on the field it it was tough and it's funny because the very first time that we talked to drake london back in like may when we were going through rookie mini camp he said then he was like man it's hot down here and that day <laughs> it wasn't even 80 degrees and I was yeah. standing there with a jacket on. And I'm like, oh, sweetie, just wait. And exactly a month later, we are standing out there just roasting. Um, the funniest thing was we got called out by Dean Pease, Arthur Smith, and then Eric Harris specifically sc- called Scott Bear out by name he was like dude like you're in the shade like get out here we're trying to build a culture here my guy (laughs) and those are basically his words exactly so but beside the point (laughs) beside it being super hot and just melting for two hours um the it was just really good to see this group together even though we didn't see some key pieces there cordero patterson mainly um he was here in flowery branch (laughs) but Arthur Smith made the comment. He was like, "I'm not going to rev him up for two days when we g- we're going to need him during this season, especially for someone right. who's had um, a career as long as his." Um, so that was. It was just good to see these guys out there. You know, they're not running at a hundred percent. I think that's a misconception of mini camp is that oh, it's like training camp, and it's it's not like right. they're not wearing. No like the full full pads and they're not going 110%. You're seeing a lot of 7 on 7 work and that's mm-hmm. basically it. And but it was still good to kind of just see these guys back together again and honestly to see how this group honestly from my perspective really likes each other. Like they like I that may sound super weird but it, it, they just seem like they all have such a good relationship with each other. And that was not something that I was expecting was going to happen when you have so many like transplant players that are kind mm-hmm. of all converging in uh, like into the flowery branch facility. It's very, very interesting.
0: Well, that's I mean, sometimes that can be a, a net positive, just having a lot of an influx of new blood, new players, new mentalities, new energies that's something that I kind of really felt that the Falcons got away from in a bad way towards the end of Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov's run. You know, it was a lot of the same guys running it back, running it back, and all of the battle scars were kind of building up and building up, and then you yeah. saw how it, how it ended. But even that 2015, 2016, like, they were bringing in a lot of new players, a lot of new um, guys who who needed to compete, who were kind of trying to prove themselves. And that's kind of what it seems like the tone was for for two days here at minicamp I mean you wrote about it uh, really well your minicamp recaps on atlantafalcons.com but just kind of the AJ Terrell and Kyle Pitts of it all them going back and forth jawing seemed emblematic of a higher level of um, outward competition for lack of a better phrase from the players is that something that that is real or do you think that because I mean we kind of see that all the time and at this time of year it is a little bit more of a glorified seven on seven players can be a little bit more schoolyard but do you get the sense that this is real and this is an identity kind of that we should track with this team?
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. And it's funny that you were talking about going back to the, the 15 and 16 years. We were talking to Grady Jarrett the very first day of minicamp, and he made the comment that has stuck with me since where he said that he felt like this team was as close as any team that he's played with in Atlanta. That was wild to me, but you you do see it in a way that I don't know if I've seen it with this Falcons organization in, in years at this point. Like it, it, you talk about the AJ Terrell Kyle Pitts example. It was so great, and it was something that I honestly wrote a lot about. And so I'm going <laughs> to reiterate that. But we were talking to Casey Hayward after practice on Wednesday, and he said Kyle and AJ were kind of going at it before we even hit the field. And then they get out there and you just hear the DBs just giving Kyle up and down the road. Like, don't let him get, don't let eight in the end zone. Like, let's keep eight out of the end zone, blah, blah, blah. And then Kyle, of course, catches a quote unquote touchdown in seven on seven and tosses the ball up in the air in front of the DBs. But it's like, it's that kind of stuff that is. So fun to watch, especially with these young guys like AJ Terrell and Kyle Pitts, who you know are kind of the faces of the organization at this point in time. 100%. I mean, yep. these are AJ Terrell and Kyle Pitts are the two guys that you really feel confident that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are going to want to build around in the future and so these are kind of your cornerstones and seeing them kind of get into this type of spirit just with each other is really great. And we were talking to Kyle after, uh, after mini camp wrapped up and he said, you know, AJ and I go against each other multiple times a day and I make him better. He makes me better. And to, to have those two guys be the cornerstone of kind of where the Falcons organization is right now as two of the most in my opinion, exciting young players at their position in the league, it's really good to see. And I I try and tell people, it's like, that's what you need to lean in on. This year is that aspect of this team and where it goes. Like, try and think more big picture about how Kyle Pitts and AJ Terrell are going to continue to be an important part of this organization in 2024, 2025, yes, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You know, like, let's think a little bit more big picture than just being like, oh my gosh, like, this isn't, we don't know who anyone on the team is anymore. And, and this is going to be a tough <laughs> season. All that may be true. And, you know, you take that as it comes, but know that there still are guys around here who do want to see this transition into something. I think AJ Terrell said it best. Um, when he was on our podcast, he was like, I asked him, I was like, what's one word to describe 2022? And he said a marathon. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes when you hear somebody say something, you're like, that's perfect. Like that's going to be my lead in like every story that I write. But he said that. And I thought it was so great because I, I think he understands like, this is a process of an organization. Yeah. This isn't a, a dead sprint in 2022. That's not how they're playing this. They're playing this like a marathon.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Rams last year were in a dead sprint. Everything they did last year was to win a Super Bowl. The Falcons, this is a season of answers. You've got a lot Mm -hmm. of questions. You need to figure out who are going to be your answers. And one of the things that I love about the AJ Terrell and Kyle Pitts kind of matchup, especially not that they're two former first round picks or or whatever, but the number of times that we got asked over the years, uh, or not that we got asked, that we asked kind of uh, the corners on this team, guys that they would bring in, um free agents, draft picks, all that stuff. You know, how does going against Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in practice every day make you better? Mm. Julio Jones didn't really do anything in minicamp, not in like seven (laughs) on seven or 11 on 11 drills. Calvin Ridley, I mean, kind of did, but it's different when you're getting truly iron sharpening iron in AJ Terrell, who was a top three corner in the NFL last season and Kyle Pitts, who set all-time rookie tight end records. Like that is true best on best. And so I think that, those two guys setting the tempo, it seems, is, is very impressive. Um, but one of the key storylines, I think, coming out of Minicamp, not that I almost even hesitate, like making a whole big hullabaloo about like OTAs and Minicamp, because, you know, like you said, <laughs> you they're running around in is. shorts yeah. and t shirts. Yeah, it's like we're not getting anything. But when Arthur Smith says that Desmond Ritter is light years ahead of most young quarterbacks in terms of playing from the neck up, like that's as much of a headline as you could hope to get. Out of a mini camp practice. So, what were your thoughts when he said that? I it, I, I say that on the one hand because that's important, but then mm-hmm. he also kind of added a little bit earlier. You're hoping the physical things you see at times catch up, and, and right. so that seems to be the dichotomy. Certainly, he's him being ahead of the curve mentally is a is a big big positive. But how do you stack that with what you've seen from him physically on the field?
1: Yeah, I, I thought that compliment spoke volumes about Desmond Ritter's football IQ for one, but also Arthur Smith is very cognizant of what he says to the media. And to pay a compliment like that to Desmond Ritter, I felt like that should have been talked about a whole, whole lot because that's not something that happens every day that Arthur Smith pays someone that type of compliment. Um, and to be completely honest talking to Desmond Ritter you can feel that confidence that he that Arthur Smith was kind of talking about in in terms of his football IQ we were talking to him one i think it was the first day of camp and someone asked him like how, like what was the difference like what what's something that he thought would be different making the jump to the league and he said he was like i thought it'd be more difficult to get this game he was like i, mean, I thought what an like, answer What an answer, right? Like, he was like, I thought that it was going to be a lot harder to, like, understand the scheme and get the install in and everything. But he was like, but I feel pretty good about where I'm at. And, I mean, I I feel like I understand this really well. And for a rookie like Desmond Ritter, who's a number 74 overall pick, to say that, I thought was just as uh, important to hear as Arthur Smith kind of reiterating that he, uh, he feels that way about Desmond Ritter. And someone asked like, why he felt that way or what Desmond shows that, that like, makes it seem that he is light years ahead. And he said he commands the huddle. And we saw mm-hmm. that in rookie minicamp. We saw Drake London, Tyler Algier, John Fitzpatrick all say glowing things about Desmond Ritter leading this team and being very, uh, a very vocal leader and always kind of knowing what's next and what to do. And that's what you ask for in the captain of your offense. Now, does that mean Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter day one of the season? No, absolutely not. Like, I think that (laughs) is, it's really funny because I'm like, okay, his football IQ is there. And it's great that we're saying that on what is today, June 16th. But there, like what Arthur Smith said, that's from the neck up. There is a lot more connection that needs to be made in terms of, like, The physical aspect of it, making sure that he's connecting on the timing with receivers, all of all of that, and and so I know with mini camp, like we don't necessarily know in seven on seven what they're asking Desmond Ritter to do versus what they're asking Marcus Mariota to do. So I think a lot of times, like when you are um, like counting, like oh, like Desmond went one for four in this like one period, it's like. And, and Marcus Mariota went three for four. It's like we don't necessarily know what they were being asked to do. We don't necessarily know what the like the defense was being asked to do in those moments. Um, but I say all that to say like, there's still a long way for Desmond Ritter to go. But the yes. fact that the football IQ part of it and the install part of it is there, I think is so important because we are so early in this that it's almost like I would rather – and maybe this is just me, but like I would almost rather someone be like there with the football IQ and have the physical part of it catch up than the other way around. Because, mm-hmm. and this is something that I I said in our podcast, but I was like, my dad used to always say like, "Where you're never gonna like out athlete anybody, but you can outsmart a lot of people." And that's literally how I lived my my playing days life. Like when I back in the day when I was actually playing. And even kind of sometimes still covering the game.
0: Just savvy. Like,
1: just savvy, just smart, just making sure you're at the right place at the right time and not messing up. And so yeah. the fact that like Desmond, and, uh, to bring it all back, the fact that Desmond has that right now and they feel confident that he has that right now, I think is a really, really good spot for him to be in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think everything that you said is is exactly spot on. And I mean, I would even... The flip side of this, right, is, is Michael Vick, right? Like somebody who came yes. out and said, I did not do the little things, the, the stuff upstairs, mentally, learning the playbook, all that stuff. He relied a lot on his athleticism. Now his athleticism is elite of the elite of the elite. Like, yes. So he could get away with that. But Desmond Ritter's no slouch either. It, all of this, though, seems like what you would expect from somebody who was a four-year starter at Cincinnati, took them to, to the college football playoff, like coming in, commanding the huddle, He's got those reps. He's got that confidence. It was um, some of the the stuff in Scott Bear's piece uh, about him and Drake London, both working with Jordan Palmer and kind of, mm-hmm. I think they use poker chips to visualize the way of the schemes, yep. all of that stuff, him talking into a microphone and listening it back to get kind of the sense of the cadence of his rhythm and hearing it through the helmet. All that stuff is awesome. Those are little tips and tricks that I think young players are getting much better about um, because of their... Uh, you know, access to technology, access to different ideas, all of that stuff is, is very true. But some of the things that I read that almost would seem like negatives for Desmond Ritter were actually, to me, big positives. And specifically, mm-hmm. kind of in some of the breakdowns where they would say Desmond Ritter went like one for four in a seven on seven period. I think it was Michael Rothstein's like his Twitter notes, but that he was pushing the ball down the field. He was trying to fit it into some intermediate, deeper windows, whereas Marcus Mariota could have gone four for five. But a lot of those may have been shorter, shallower right. routes this is the time to be getting a sense of what you can and can't do in this scheme with the talents that you have at your disposal. It's something Matt Ryan would do a lot. Is He'd always kind of get joked on a little bit for throwing a pick or doing stuff, but it's like he's trying to push this ball down the field to see where the pressure points are in this defense, to see what's possible in this offense before it's actually go time. So to me, that's actually the thing about Desmond Ritter that I read the last couple of days that actually caught my attention in the best possible way is, all right, this guy's trying to, to make himself into somebody who's not just some answer, but like the answer. Somebody who can really mm-hmm. elevate an offense instead of maybe just playing within the confines of that offense. And so if, if he can master it, there's a lot of stuff that has to come next. Obviously, how to read defenses. You know, it's one thing <laughs> to right. know your playbook. But then when other guys are trying to stop you from doing what you want, like that's all going to have to come with experience. But it seems like Desmond Ritter is on a, a great check. But quickly, you know, what did Marcus Mariota look like? How did the other the presumed starter <laughs> look like right. you know we're sitting here talking about the rookie How right? look out there
1: yeah it's funny because i joke all the time i'm like we're gonna be talking about quarterbacks for the next few years like i'm just getting forever. it through yeah. my system that we're just gonna keep talking about it forever and we should because it's important Good content but <laughs> yes the content is gonna be great um but no marcus so so far marcus is a, so interesting and i think that He's a guy, you know, we talk about how much like the fellow rookies like really like Desmond Ritter and, and I think other people like Desmond Ritter too. But like with Marcus, I feel like he just kind of carries himself in a way that makes you feel good about his ability like to command as well. But he, I feel like he commands differently than, than Desmond does. I feel like Desmond's probably very vocal and not that Marcus isn't, but Marcus is a little bit more soft-spoken but he's just like an all-around good guy that I think people just want to go to bat for. Like I think you see that with Arthur things that Arthur Smith says about Marcus Mariota and ha- how much fun he says that he's having being back with Marcus because he respects mm-hmm. him as a player and what he's been through as a player. With Marcus it's it's very interesting because I think it's very obvious that he has a um there's a comfort there in in the mm-hmm. scheme when we're watching him Kind of make his reads and and do do different things in quote unquote live periods um something that he talked about a lot was how he felt like he Arthur Smith in this scheme he's he's trying to get to the point where he can play a bit more free. He's like sometimes I kind of get mechanical in my reads and and trying to just go one, two three four, and like that's it, and that's what needs to happen. It's getting to the point with Marcus where he feels comfortable that he can kind of just do things on the fly and that it makes sense and understanding why you know you're doing things and what Arthur Smith is asking you to do. Um, That's kind of what goes into all of this. And I think it goes. it's the same exact thing for Desmond Ritter. It's like they're trying to get to the point where it's like they understand the why of what they're doing. And so they can go out. And this was something that Charles London, the quarterback's coach, actually talked about a couple weeks ago where he was like, these two quarterbacks, regardless of who we're talking about, have to be able to go out onto the field and save themselves. There's going to be times where, like, like we're not out. As coaches, we're not out on the field with them. They have right. to save themselves. That is something that Matt Ryan, I feel like, does better than almost anyone. He knows how to save himself in a situation, in a play In call. non-obvious
0: done- ways. Yeah,
1: Exactly, yes. And in his command of the offense, etc. But it's now getting these guys. To be able to do that in their own way, not in Matt Ryan's way, in Marcus Mariota's way, and so um, I, I think it's going to be a really good challenge to see what happens, particularly with Marcus. Um, and I I feel feel pretty good about where they are in terms of the install process. I think I think that's a we're at a good stopping point as we have this like five six week break before training camp starts. We'll also, like, obviously know more once training camps gets here, and we do get to see a lot like guys getting closer to running things at 100%. Um, It'll also be interesting to see how much we see of, like, Marcus and Desmond in preseason games. That's something that I feel like no one's talking about because we didn't see Matt Ryan at all last year for obvious reasons. Matt Ryan, he does not need to play in the preseason, but now you have Marcus coming in, who's been a backup for a couple of years. You have a You have a rookie in Desmond. Like, what are we going to do in the preseason? Like, you're you're not going to sit. You only have two of them right now. You're not going to sit both of them or one of them. Like, you need to see Marcus as much as you need to see Desmond.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would expect both of them to not probably a true 50-50, but it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, they give kind of Marcus most of the for like all of the first quarter, most of the second quarter, then see what Desmond Ritter can do in like a four minute drill before halftime, then Mm, give him that halftime, then let him come out for the second half. And then, you know, they may sign kind of a pseudo third string quarterback at some point to just give him that fourth quarter. And then I would flip that and I would go second game, start Desmond, then give Marcus that four minute drill, then let him come out, like do all of that stuff. But uh, again, to shout out Scott here, I I thought he kind of (laughs) describes that notion that, that you were describing about, Arthur Smith wanting Marcus Mariota to kind of play freer a little bit. And and Scott kind of likened that to knowing the sheet music, but then playing jazz, right? Like yes. knowing yeah. the notes and knowing one, two, three, four, five reads, but kind of just having that in the back of your mind and muscle memorying it and then knowing where ultimately everything is supposed to go. But how mm-hmm. you get there can be a little bit different. Um, and, and so, I mean, I think that Marcus Mariota is is again, like cool, calm and collected. I'm not really worried about him. It really is just kind of how quickly is Desmond Ritter going to make things interesting, uh, I think is the storyline in training camp. But what about the guys in front of them protecting him? Obviously, offensive line is, is just like the worst thing to possibly evaluate at minicamp, like offensive and defensive line, you, they might as well not even be out there because it, it's just it's so weird. But I knowing all of that, I just want to ask how the energy was between, you know, Drew Dahlman, Matt Hennessy, and Jalen Mayfield. Obviously, those guys are all kind of really coming in critical points of their career. It's a little bit of a now or never feel for those three guys. So, what were they like energy wise out there on the field?
1: Yeah. It was funny because in Arthur's last press conference, I asked him, I was like, you know, we've seen Matt Hennessy and Drew Dahlman kind of. Sharing reps with the quote unquote first team offensive line, which is the team that has Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom on it, because mm-hmm. those those two you you're not worried about. Um, and Kayla <laughs> <laughs> McGarry's in there too, and and so I, I will I, I will say that as well. So it's like, okay, what are you looking for with these guys? Like, how much of this can you actually evaluate with them? when you're not going live no one's really hitting anybody like you're going maybe half speed I, and in half speed's being yeah. generous like with these guys and arthur was very like honest he was like a lot of the things that we're asking of them comes in the classroom and a, mm-hmm. we are really trying to make sure that their work in the classroom it's like almost like classroom greater than field like for the <laughs> offensive and defensive lines right now and I, I will say that he said there's like a good companionship like camaraderie even between Matt Hennessy and Drew Dahman as they're kind of like fighting it out for this starting center spot because I think we saw for like a couple games last year where they tried to switch out Drew Dahman and Matt Hennessy through games like it was like mm-hmm. Drew would get two series and then Matt Hennessy would get two series and it's like I understand like why you would want to do that but it's like for the center position that just does not compute yeah. it does not work it's just not going to happen and i i think now is the time to have that happen and so i i'm really really looking forward to seeing how this continues to progress in training camp because it's like okay we got through mini camp you feel good about how like where they are in the classroom and learns of in, in terms of understanding their role in the offense etc what can they do physically who is the best phys, phys, physical center that you need to do What what needs to be done. And then, as far as like Jalen Mayfield, we also talked to Jalen Mayfield recently. And I I think he was very, people, I I, like, I think we all know like his rookie year was not. It was the
0: definition of taking your lumps.
1: Yes, very much so. Definition of trial by fire, all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And we've talked a lot to Arthur Smith in recent months about like how he just doesn't blame. Jalen Mayfield or like Richie Grant for quote unquote people saying that they had bad rookie years because he was like, that wasn't the vision. He was like, we weren't wanting to give Richie Grant so many different things to have to understand in the defense. We needed to give him one position that he could go in and do Mm
0: -hmm. all the time,
1: not three different positions, not asking him to do so many things. As a rookie, and then you have Jalen Mayfield, who goes in day one as a star- as the starting left guard, and it's like that was not necessarily the plan you and so now it's like Jalen talking to Jalen mayfield he's he very much is very like I understand that last year was not good like <laughs> and he's very much like, I want to get better i I want to make sure that I can play for a full season and play to a consistent caliber. And so I, I think that the the group in and of itself knows that it has to take a step in the right direction, not just as a group, but as individuals as well. And mm-hmm. I, I will say this, I know we don't like, I know talking about like offensive line is not like the sexiest topic in the world, but I will say I am, think I think I'm the most looking forward to seeing this position group in training camp more than any other. Because I think that's how significant the competition is going to be with that group. And I, I fully believe that the Falcons are gonna bring in more linemen to push these guys through training camp. So it's I, I think it's like let's just get to training camp and then we will see how this <laughs> offensive line operates. Because as of right now, it's just kind of like the 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 learnings of it. It's not necessarily like the physicality of it. But Arthur Smith wants like nasty tough, smart linemen. It's like, who are those five and how do you get to week one with them?
0: Imagine if a coach just came out and was like, no, nah, we want some really light footed, nice, yeah. uh, you know, kind of average IQ guys out there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. We don't want any, we don't want to, we want them to go, like we want to go get ice cream with those guys, which I yeah. honestly think I could go get ice cream with every single one of them and be completely happy. But it's like, let's see you run through somebody. Like let's go, right. let's, let's do some nastiness. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, your, your answer there was perfect. It, it's really just there, there's not much to glean from the offensive line at this point. Uh, but I did think it was always telling that they, they didn't really invest a, like a 1A or even a 1B type of uh, capital in an offensive yeah. lineman this offseason, which always spoke to their plan was probably not a one year thing. And, and same for Richie. Like I look at it more as adjustment periods than than year ones like that. It was a redshirt yeah. year for both of those guys in different ways. Um, because I think offensive linemen, they need to take their lumps in in yeah. some ways. Uh, but what about well, if you remember?
1: Who, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, it, I was just going to say, like you remember, like Dan Quinn would say all the time: the position that makes the biggest jump from year one to year two is offensive linemen. Every mm-hmm. time,
0: yeah,
1: he he said that so many times, and I one hundred percent believe that. Like I, I really do because I feel like that position is super like almost mysterious like I feel like no one actually (laughs) understands like what goes into being an offensive lineman in this league
0: well I remember I mean Thomas would always say that kind of just the way the the gap between the way that offensive lines were coached at the collegiate level and what they are asked to do at the NFL level was bigger than pretty much anywhere on the field and so Mm, that was that was part of the learning experience it's just that what you're being taught is kind of different. And so now you have to figure it out against bigger, faster, stronger, smarter competition. And it's like, yep. all right, yeah, we, we need to invest a little bit of time in these guys. So somebody who it seems like the Falcons are investing some you know, time into and, and some different time is, is Felipe Franks. I mean, is this like a, a little bit of a mini camp heat mirage that he was doing out there? Or is this something that he, that will have legs, I think this fall? And could he be part of the Falcons packages on offense?
1: I mean, I kind of think so. I think Arthur Smith really likes Felipe as like an athlete. And, and it's yeah. funny too, because I, we were walking around the other day and uh, we were walking out to practice and I saw Kyle Pitts and Felipe Franks kind of walking together. And it's like, you forget that Felipe <laughs> has the build that he does and that he yeah, he's is huge. as tall and long as he is. And it's like, then you see him out there with like standing next to Kyle and you're like, it makes sense like it's like okay Mm -hmm. arthur smith we see the method to the madness here um and do i think like that he's gonna completely like transition to tight end not sure we didn't see him at all like as a quarterback this past like uh mini camp and arthur smith made a good point where he was like you know we only wanted you know you could have gone out and gotten a quote-unquote fourth uh, quarterback for mini camp and and tried right. some different guys out. But why but take he was reps like, away he,
0: from from the guys you need?
1: Exactly, and that's that's what he said. And so and I think that kind of coincides with making sure that Felipe got reps, but got them at tight end. And it's funny too <laughs> because. I remember when we had the open practice uh, a couple weeks ago at Mercedes Benz, there were a couple of tweets where people were talking about like Felipe's lining up outside. Like, and it was like a really, really big deal on Twitter. And I remember looking at it and I, t- I was like, what are y'all, it, this has been happening. This happened last year. what are we what are we doing here? And I think it's just like the like the level of reps has increased for Felipe through like this uh, OTA period than it was last year. I think last year it was more just like a a fun like, oh, like Felipe's not wearing a red jersey. like he's playing yeah, tight yeah, end. Yeah. like let's see. And now it's almost kind of like this is a real thing that's happening. And I will say this. Felipe's got some good hands, you know, he, he, I I will, like, I will say that he has made a couple of really good catches, contested catches in traffic that I've been like, you know what? Like that's interesting. And it it does make me wonder like how serious they are about like, are we going to see packages with Felipe? Like not just like, let's run him out there one time, but like, multiple times in the series. I'll be very, very interested to know that once we get to like, I don't know, week four of the season.
0: (laughs) At the very least, I mean, it gives the Falcons offense another wrinkle that defenses would have to prepare for. So there's like some inherent advantage there, but I cannot believe that you just insinuated that people overreact to things on Twitter. I mean, how dare (laughs) you? Uh. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm the worst. As someone who like is like a part, uh, literally just opened the podcast talking about how distraught I was, about BTS going on a hiatus, <laughs> no. He, I, I would never call out people for being over dramatic, overly dramatic.
0: <laughs> good, good. Glad we cleared that up. Um, yeah. But speaking of of over dramatic on Twitter, Alameda Zacchius seems like oh you
1: yes.
0: think that that either a you're extremely high on him and you're just kind of passing it off, you're deflecting to the coaching staff, or do you really think that the coaching staff is this enamored, or not enamored? Because you know he's probably your third receiver, but like that they really like what Alameda Zacchaeus can bring to this team.
1: They do. They do. I, I swear that Arthur Smith... Arthur Smith would not say that he likes... A, like, specifically call out, like, unprompted that he likes a guy <laughs> if he didn't. Like, that's the thing. Arthur Smith is so, like, no-nonsense that it's not... It, it, him saying that he likes coaching Olamide Zacchaeus. I think people should really listen to that uh and I, I know like sometimes he's like you know i don't discriminate on un- <laughs> like receivers under oh, six size. And, yeah yeah and, and it's it, that was funny and talking about like oz being 58 but for real they really do like oz and and it's it's really interesting seeing him you know when they're doing their individual drills and the first receiver up every single time is oz and and seeing kind of him take on a leadership role is very interesting i i I said this on twitter but like i don't see people were kind of giving me a hard time because i said like when you are looking at the five maybe six receivers that you take to your 53 man roster i said there are three Mm -hmm. locks and i said drake london brian edwards and oz and people are like Oz Z's a lock. And I'm like, yes, like he, he absolutely is. He's, he's a different type of receiver in terms of body build and also skill set. Mm-hmm. And I think like they really appreciated what he did in 2021 when you didn't have Calvin and, and for a time you didn't have Russell Gage. So yes, I am. I'm very hyped about OZ and I think the coaching staff is too. And Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, I don't have anything (laughs) else to say because, like, I just believe that OZ is, like, going to be a part of this offense. (laughs) I'm
0: going to I'm going to be really curious to see just kind of come training camp the routes and stuff they have him running because it up until now, he's been primarily a deeper threat guy like those post routes, some of the all of that stuff. But can he mold into that Tajay Sharp type of player that Arthur Smith has? He usually does have one of those guys. Where, mm-hmm. but they are a little more intermediate short route guys, and then they catch the ball, take it after the catch. That's not Alamade's MO, but you know, maybe, maybe they can mold him into that type of player. Uh, two more before I let you go. What have you seen from the early draft picks? We haven't even talked about Drake London or Arnold Epicady yet. Uh, I mean, where was Drake London in the wide receiver line? <laughs>
1: no, I know. He was, it was funny because sometimes he was last. Like sometimes he oh was like. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it was just like, sometimes it just like fell that way. Um, But no, he was, I mean, just talking about Drake London, for a second, when we talked to him, it's funny, because you know that these guys love to be like out on the field and everything like that. But I think people forget that Drake London hasn't been out on the field because of his injury. And Mm -hmm. getting when we were talking to him during rookie minicamp, he made the comment, he's like, Man, I'm just excited to like just get on the grass again, like just yeah. to run around again. And he said it again in uh, mandatory minicamp about how just happy he was just to be out there. And it's like that's the energy that I appreciate. Like, just you're just glad to be out there, and for your like number eight pick to kind of just have that mentality, I think is really like a healthy mentality to have. Um, but from a actual football perspective. He's big, like, and he's, he's, (laughs) (laughs) I know that that, quote unquote analysis, Tory (laughs) McClendon, he's big, Um, but he, he just looks, he looks good out there. And when he's lined up on like the opposite end of the offense from Kyle Pitts, you can see why the Falcons wanted Drake London. You can see why this is something that is going to be, the building blocks for the offense moving forward. I think mm-hmm. Drake is a very, very. I know there were a lot of people that were like Drake was not the best wide receiver in the in the draft class, and yet he was the first re- wide receiver taken. He may not be your quote unquote best receiver, but he's the best receiver for this scheme. And yep. I, I think that 100%. is very right. Like I think that is very important to understand. He fits the mold of what Arthur spent. Smith wants a receiver to be in this offense. And so I think you're seeing that. I think you're seeing how this is going to work. It may not work in 2022, but like 2024, I think this is going to work.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think that the biggest thing, right, is versatility, his ability to block. Um, But I, I love it must be so weird to be a top 10 pick and then not be not have been out there on the field for like a year and a half and but yeah. you're hearing people you're watching highlights of yourself on Sports Center. people are talking about you as a football player and you're just like I really would give anything just to be able to run in the backyard right now and catch football or like get ready for this like that would be such a weird headspace to be in I, I couldn't even imagine
1: I know it, but, it is funny and I well I know you also asked about the other uh rookies <laughs> I'm just like talking on an advocate yeah Evicetti is very interesting. The thing with Evicetti, though, is is that he and I don't know if this is just like a depth thing or what, but like they had when they were doing like full on eleven on eleven stuff, like they mm-hmm. you know, put like the the veteran guys on one field and they do the younger guys on another field, and for the most part, like Drake London's over there with Kyle Pitts and Marcus and et cetera, et cetera, and. Arnold Ebuchetti is on the other side. He's on the other field. And your, quote-unquote, like, edge rushers on the veteran field, it's Ade Ogandeji and mm-hmm. Lorenzo Carter, which makes sense. I would If I'm putting money down right now, those are your two starters, day one. So I'm really looking forward to, when we do get to training camp, seeing Arnold Ebuchetti kind of coming into that rotation. Because right now... You know, you're playing against each other. There's not like there's the rotation isn't really there all that much. And so I am curious to see how that rotation looks when you get to like when they're facing uh, Jacksonville at the, uh, the, the joint practices. And when yep. we get into a, a real game scenario, I, I would I'm really looking forward to seeing because I think the mechanics are there. And I think that he's somebody that they really like and feel like they can mold accordingly, but just haven't really seen a whole bunch from him yet.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that was even as a player on film, like he wasn't this player who was going to pop one play and then disappear the next. It was Mm -hmm. a consistent kind of every play he brought it. Some plays he would have a great move, get to the quarterback. Some plays he'd get lucky. The quarterback would kind of come to him, but like he was always in the right spot because he did that work, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I, I think that, He'll be a player where it, it may not be that he draws rave, rave reviews every single practice. But that was kind of like AJ Terrell as a rookie. And I'm not going to say that that he's going to be the same type of you know uh, <laughs> projection here. But it was just like, man, this kid's just good playing and play out. Now, he may not flash, but that that means something in this league. And I think Ade Ogundeji kind of fits that bill as well. Um, last one here is. Any under the radar guys who we have not talked about, who you have not talked about, who you just want to get off your chest and be like, oh, these guys who you don't really know that well, like you should know them. Yeah,
1: I really like Brian Edwards. I like Brian Edwards a lot. I think that he is uh, we talk about like fitting the mold of scheme. I think Mm -hmm. he's going to fit very well with this group. Something that I'm very interested to see happen over the course of the next few months as we get into training camp is which receivers this coaching staff values. Like what type of body type are they valuing? What what type of skill set are they valuing? I'm, I, I'm very curious to see kind of how this group like dwindles down as we get closer and closer to the 53-man cuts. But what I will say is I don't think Brian Edwards is going anywhere because well, one, they trade for him, you you know, you go out and you get this guy. But I do think that he's made a couple plays where I'm like, okay, he's not gonna be someone who's gonna go out and have like hundreds of yards every single game. But I think <laughs> that I trust him to make the plays when they count. And and mm. finding that in a receiver, I think is very, very important. Um, so I'm, I'm really jazzed up about Brian Edwards. I also, I've said this so many times ad nauseum, like people are probably like, Tori, shut up about this, but like, I cannot wait for, to see the AJ Terrell, Casey Hayward pairing like in action. Heck on yeah, the field, it's the summer of the on secondary on this
0: podcast, Tori. It's the summer yes. of the secondary. Okay.
1: Thank goodness, because the secondary is like my favorite position group on the field right now. Like, you know, we're going through mini camp, so... Can't take any. I can't make any hot takes, but like if that's going to be my, I I will stand that I think like one of the strongest position groups bar none is the secondary on this team. I'm very very excited to see them um, in action. Trying to think if there's anybody else that I'm just gonna honestly. It's funny because Anthony Rush is you know the biggest guy on on this field, and I. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because this noted is the guy punt who they returner,
0: play. Anthony rush. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. So it's funny because I'm like, <sighs> he was somebody that the, they brought in just in the middle of last year. And now yeah, he played he's, well, uh, he played well. And then he goes on and he's side by side with Grady Jarrett all the time in mini camp. And I'm just like, who knew, who knew that this was going to be the guy that was going to like be the not relief of Grady Jarrett because they play together, but you know like that's i I'm excited to see what Anthony Rush does, kind of like in a full season in full off season with the Falcons. so there's, there's yeah, three
0: <laughs> no that, that was great. I mean that that's perfect, and I, I think the anthony rush is is notable because obviously mm-hmm. like he's he's the epitome of somebody who came and earned a spot with this team, and now they they clearly have have plans, they want to give him a look, uh, and he's the type of body that this roster had been missing. And if they can yep. can hit on him, then then that's huge. But Tori, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Please let everybody know what you've got coming down the pipe.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we, I'm obviously going to take some vacation time because yeah. once training camp get, gets training camp gets here, like we are going 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 nonstop until the end of January. So uh, going to take some vacation, hang out with the fam. Uh, but in terms of work there's still a lot that we're working on. Like I have um, two more uh, rookie series stories that has kind of Mm -hmm. been my passion project over the course of the last eight weeks. Um, How the Falcons decided on X, Y, or Z rookie player in the draft. Uh, We've got Justin Schaefer and John Fitzpatrick coming up in the next two weeks. I'm very excited about those. Um, We've got a a mini series series, podcast that we're going to be doing in the coming months that i'm really really excited about i can't say like much about it but it's (laughs) very i'm very very excited about it um so be on the lookout for that like once we get closer to training camp and then of course just like follow along on um on on twitter on instagram at tori underscore McElhaney. and yeah i i hope that we get to do this all over again when training camp gets here because that's when the real that's when the real talk starts
0: <laughs> oh yeah the real ones know that's that's when it goes down <laughs> that will do it for today's podcast again thank you to Tori for hopping on and breaking down mini camp I hope you guys found that really uh, informative and and entertaining as for what's coming up next a few things that we're working on obviously it's going to be a kind of the off time, really the next four or five weeks. It's when the players, coaches, everybody gets away. So it's probably going to be a little bit hard to get some of the current guys, some of the current coaches, especially on on the show. It's not like we're doing a ton of that anyway. But we're going to maybe try to find some more evergreen stuff. Honestly, I may be trying to get a little bit of downtime over the next couple of weeks. So it'll be a little bit more intermittent than it has been. But Once training camp really starts getting into gear, don't worry. We will be back, Ovi and I, at our usual kind of cadence that we were heading into the season. And then once season's here, it's full go, baby. We will be kind of twice a week breaking it down, pregame, postgame, all of that good stuff. Going to try to have more guests on from opposing teams, from past teams, all of that good stuff, which should become much easier once there is actual real football to talk about. So we just have one barren wasteland left, right? You know, we just one last ocean to cross over before we're at home base. Sorry, just I can't get Top Gun out of my head. And then the season is here. It'll be here before you know it. We just got to get through this summer. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, which as always was presented by Bet Online. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, let everybody else know who's not listening to the show where they can find us if they want to get some awesome Falcons content. And as always, everybody, take care. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe.